Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting. This is your producer, Haley. We continue our back-to-school theme this week with the film that's not about school itself, but is a documentary on one of the most beloved children's educational series in history, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We discussed this summer's documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, with our friend Susie in today's episode. We hope you enjoy the podcast and that your school year is off to a great start. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with friends and family about their favorite movies. Uh, I will let Eleanor introduce our movie and guest. All right, so our movie today will be discussing the, I would say, blockbuster documentary from this summer, Won't You Be My Neighbor, about Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And our guest today is Susie Hosley. Um, Annie, tell us about Susie. Yes! Okay, so Susie was my roommate um, my sophomore year of college in Kavanaugh. We lived in a quad with it's very funny because, like, Susie and I talk now, and, like, we were four very different people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it worked. We had a good time. Susie, like, was there when I listened to One Less Lonely Girl by Justin Bieber probably 400 times in a row. So she knows me very well. And so Susie now uh, lives and works in Chicago uh, in banking. I try to understand it. <laughs> it's interesting. And, uh, yeah, Susie, do you want to say anything else? Um, sure. Yeah. So originally from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, now living in Chicago, like Anne said, trying to kind of find all the fun things to do in the city. Um, fun thing about living with Anne in college was I got to know Eleanor as well because Eleanor was in our dorm too. Um, so I'm close with my sister. It was a lot of fun to be able to have kind of sister time with them and get to know both of them. And if I remember correctly, Eleanor would come to our room and watch, um, what was it? American Teenagers? Oh, The Secret Life of the American Teenager. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Good times. Good times. Head by one and all. Okay. So we start our podcast with like something we call speed friending where we just ask you like three questions. So what is your dream travel destination? Ooh, that's a tough one. Right now, it's probably like national parks road trip yeah um but yeah I don't know I'm kind of on a domestic kick right now because there's so much to see in the U.S. that I haven't seen yeah I agree with that okay um what is your favorite morning beverage we actually talked about this today but like I actually don't know what your favorite morning (laughs) beverage is yeah, it's probably coffee, but I'm a weirdo and I do decaf because I can't do caffeine. <laughs> okay, and then lastly, Kate Winslet or Kate Beckinsale? Oof. Uh, I'd probably say Kate Winslet, but I'm not that familiar with either. <laughs> what? What? Not that good at celebrity placements. Oh gosh, Kate Winslet of Titanic fame. Yes, Kate Beckinsale. Eleanor, was she in Blade? She's in like Van Helsing and Love and Friendship, and um, we know her best from Much Ado About Nothing. Yes, but I would say Van Helsing is her like biggest one. 
No, that's just like her biggest thing in my own personal life. <laughs> I have that movie potentially memorized, which means I've memorized a Shakespearean play, The Dream. Okay, so let's jump in. Susie, will you give us a brief synopsis of this movie? Sure. So like Eleanor said, blockbuster documentary um, basically outlines sort of the adult life of Fred Rogers and how he um, ended up creating Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and some of the impact that had, um, how it was different. And then also one interesting bit that I wasn't entirely expecting, but they also got into kind of how Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood played an important role in the development of PBS and public um, educational programming in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, agreed. Okay. okay, so why did this movie speak to you so much? Well, I definitely was a Mr. Rogers kid. We didn't really do TV other than like PBS. So it was like Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, Lamb Chop, uh, all the good, <laughs> the good stuff. Um, the Big Comfy Couch. Did you ever watch that? No. Oh, maybe it was just a Chicago thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, so I always liked Mr. Rogers. And then I, when I was in high school, my grandma actually gave me the book of like quotes and different thoughts and things like that, that his wife assembled right after he passed away. Um, and it just, it was an interesting thing for me at that time, because I think, you know, he comes across as a saint on the show. And I think he was, um, but he kind of kept these things around as like a reminder of how he wanted to be. And I think he was, he felt he never got there, even though he probably got there, you know, a million times more than most of us ever will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thought to think about. Like he was, as this movie shows like a really, really at his core, good person. But, like, he never felt adequate. You know, like, he always felt like there was more. Yeah. And I feel like with some of, like, the best people in the world, like, throughout history, like, I think Mother Teresa had similar thoughts. I think that, like, Martin Luther King and, like, Gandhi had similar thoughts of, like, like, yes, look at all I've done, but, like, look at how much more we have to do or how much more I can do. And it's, like, they're so humble, which, I mean... In today's world, I'm like, mm-hmm. I hate to say it. I hate to bring politics into it. But, like, Donald Trump, on the other hand, is someone who's like, look at everything I'm doing. I'm so great all the time. And it's like, uh... Anyway. That's fine. <laughs> Eleanor, what did you like about this movie? Well, I also... I have more issues with this movie, I think, than most. So, I think what this film does well is it does present like a very unifying figure um and but there were so many issues in this that in this film that I would have liked to see explored more and that were almost played off as being um not not in line with the vision of Fred Rogers that we as a people want to have for example like they interviewed both of his sons and you could tell there was a bit of resentment with the amount of work that he had poured into his television career. 
And so that I think would be more interesting and a little bit more problematic. But also, I think that speaks to what you were saying, um, to that good people are always striving to be better and never, um, never fully aware that they are doing good. Um, and then one of the parts that struck out to me most from the film, and I did like how this was structured within the film, was you meet, we meet um, who played the police officer. And like we have the moment where they're sharing a pool and how that was supposed to be um, like really Fred's vision of a world in which quote unquote like race doesn't matter, which is again like problematic, but of the time. Um, but what was interesting was Fred Rogers view on like homosexuality and how that impacted in the long run um, this individual who played the film and how had he been found out uh, what that would have done for the program. And so it was almost like the program came before everything else and people were hurt because of that. But okay. I mean, I would argue with you, Eldor, because like, sure, like the program came before that, but Fred Rogers didn't act unlovingly toward him. From what I remember, I, okay, I saw this movie in like June, so it was like a while ago. But from what I remember, like he had a very loving response to Officer Clement. Is that what his name is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think I would agree that. I, I think one of the troubles is I think in that situation it's hard to ferret out what was. Mr. Rogers issue with um, homosexuality versus what was society's because I think, you know, they were already pushing the bounds and I'm sure there was some concern in Mr. Rogers mind of, you know, how many steps can I take it before people sort Mm -hmm. of dismiss what we're trying to do here. Um, And I, I mean, I think there's certainly grounds to argue that they, they should have just plowed ahead and kind of in line with, his view that, you know, you should be loved as you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's, you know, um, that, that sort of goes against what Mr. Rogers would always say, but I do wonder if he was a little constricted by the time as well. Um, yeah. Which I feel like he must have. I mean, there was no way that you couldn't in media at that time, but Okay, Eleanor and I last. So last week I was in LA with Ele- El- with Eleanor, and um, she and I went to a meditation. Uh, what was it called, Eleanor? Do you remember? Mindfulness meditation. Oh, there we go. That word. Mindfulness meditation in um, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and yeah, right. Mm. Meditating with dead people. So LA right now. Um, but the instructor brought up Fred Rogers because she had recently seen this movie. And she was like, I was just overwhelmed by, like, the idea of kindness and, like, treating each other kindly. And I do feel like that is lost today in children's media because, like, the shows on TV for kids are either, like, super violent or, like, they're, like, Spongebob and dumb and kind of mean um, or they're like kind of purely academic. I don't. I can't mm-hmm. think of a show today 
that, like Mr. Rogers, was there just to kind of teach them how to be good people. Do you know of any shows, Eleanor? Um, I've been out of the world for a minute, but there, I mean, now we're so focused on um, doing good or we, we don't like anything to just have a singular focus or a singular purpose. So it's learning how to be good while also learning like STEM skills. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's not like particularly helpful, but with Mr. <laughs> Rogers neighborhood, yeah, like it, but it was also focused on getting people to like be comfortable with each other. So yeah, I don't know. So wait, Eleanor, question for you. Would you not recommend people see this documentary? Like, because you said you had issues with it. So like, because I was running around after I saw this movie and I was like, everyone should go see this movie. I cried all the time because I did. And there were like grown men weeping in the theater with me. Like, I know I wasn't the only person crying. No, there were a ton of people crying um, when I saw it as well. And no, it's not that I wouldn't recommend it, but it's, also, I get nervous when we have, like, universal acclaim for something, and I'll take a controversial viewpoint, and even the fact that, like, there were problematic issues with Black Panther, but we can't talk about them, uh, <laughs> like, because there's universal acclaim for it. But, like, what? Now I'm interested. Now I'm interested. Yeah, with Black Panther, with its presentation of Sub-Saharan Africa, and the, uh, okay, anyway, we'll... But it's like, uh, anyway, um, so, but we're going, we're straying very far away from Susie. No, that's okay. I mean, I think, I, I agree with you, Eleanor. I think that there's a, a risk, this, this really was more of a tribute, right? If we're honest about it, it wasn't a documentary. And I think that's a fair critique of the film is, you know, this was a tribute to Red yeah. Rogers and what he did. And it was presented in that light. Um, and I, there's, you know, they probably could have done, I, I was glad that they put in a few of the things they did, like the backstory on the police officer and stuff, but I don't, to your point, there's, there's more they could have done um, to probably give the whole person um, or the kind of the whole view, you know, I mean, they yeah. did it parts of, parts of society just didn't sign up for the message. Right. And, yeah. Um, and all of that. And so I think, um, you know, he, he was, I think a pretty remarkable person. And so there's, there's room for a tribute, but you're right to put it in context as such and not allow it to just be taken as, you know, the, the truth on the matter or whatever. Mm -hmm. Was this based on a book? I don't think so. It was just like the, the producer's sure. like personal... Well, so Morgan Neville, who was the director, he's most famous for uh, doing, like, um, 20 Feet from Stardom, like, the documentary about backup singers, which is great. Like, everyone, like, that's a really good movie. And he's really excellent. Um, he's mostly worked in, like, music documentaries. But from what I read about this film in particular, it was when he, he was working on a separate project with Yo-Yo Ma, um, and you, I love the Yo-Yo Ma interviews throughout the film. Like, those are some of my favorite moments. Um, 
But I guess he was talking to Yo-Yo Ma about, like, how he learned how to handle celebrity. And Yo-Yo Ma was like, well, like, Fred Rogers was my mentor on, like, handling celebrity. And so that is what got him interested. But I think it's also fascinating that around the same time um, that this is coming out, it's building excitement for, in a way, the Fred Rogers biopic with Tom Hanks that's going to come out next year. Right. And what do we know? Like, it's, it's a biopic. So it's it's going to, and it's going to be probably long. Is it like, is it thinking like it's going to be Oscar worthy? Cause it's like Tom Hanks and like, blah. Um, I mean, uh, saving Mr. Banks in which it was a biopic more, not a biopic, but included a biographical presentation of Walt Disney wasn't necessarily Oscar worthy. I think it'll be more family friendly, I would assume. Um, What's cool, it has a female director. That'll be fun. Gotta love female directors. So I left this, I saw this movie with my mom and we both left and had recently finished our school years. And Neither one of us really thinks that um, a film, a film, excuse me, a TV show like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood would gain any traction today. Like students and kids, I don't think would like it at all. I mean, it's okay. kind of the opposite of what a lot of the stuff we have is. I mean, it's very slow. So slow. Um, it's basic, right? There's no graphics. Yeah. There's none of that. Um, I think if you start a kid on it, they'll like it. Right. If they've got like an iPad with stuff popping up at them for the first five years and then you try to turn them on Mr. Rogers, it's probably a no go. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it would be because they'd just be like, wait, there's nothing happening. Yeah. What? No, I mean, kids, kids still watch boring things i I like what to there's a lot of youtube videos that are like very boring and slow um and if we think about it so like sesame street pre-hbo style format for a television show so like you enter the house he greets you it goes into, like, the documentary thing where they visit, like, factories or whatever. And then you go outside and you, like, do the puppets and whatnot. So it changes styles pretty regularly. Um, and that could be similar to, um, like, switching YouTube channels or something like that. So I don't think it's entirely – it wouldn't entirely have a place. That's interesting. <laughs> I still think they'd be bored. I don't know. I mean, I've never tried. So within my classroom, I used to show kids like Sesame Street clips. And they were usually pretty interested in those because like Sesame Street got like real smart in the last like 10 years and started adding celebrities to clips. So like students would love the One Direction version of like, a song about the letter U 
<laughs> no, uh, actually, Annie, like the reason celebrities were included in Sesame Street was not for the kids. It's for the parents so that that would bring them into the show and then they'd watch it with their child so that they could then take the lesson, the literacy lessons and then implement them or bring them up later in the day. That was the re- that's the reason celebrities historically were used on Sesame Street. It wasn't for the kids. Three-year-old's not going to know or care. Right, but like a 10-year-old does. Yeah, but these shows are not intended for 10-year-olds. What age group was Mr. Rogers intended for? Um, originally, when it came out, it was like 3 to 7. And we're, you're also like, if we're thinking backwards, um, the obsession with celebrity has now is now much younger, um, but it didn't. That wasn't always the case. Like, remember when we were growing up, uh, Carrie Katzig being obsessed with Orlando Bloom when she was like seven? Like that was weird. We were all like, "Wow." Well, Honor, you were obsessed with John Stamos, <laughs> but that was. But that I, I honestly don't think manifested until later. Like, not in terms of following his career. And it wouldn't have been like I would have sought something out because he was in it. You just loved Uncle Jesse. Yeah. And so there, there is a difference where there, the separation between a character and actor wasn't there. That's assuming a higher level of ordered thinking. Um, that we didn't ask of children earlier. Eleanor. Your brain wasn't there yet. Yeah. I'll be happy to admit it. <laughs> because you can do it now. Yay. So, Susie, what was your favorite part of the movie? Hmm. I thought either the part where he was testifying to Congress and mm. they end up getting uh, the funding for PBS. I thought that was pretty interesting just given he was sort of able to take over and influence this world so different from where he was focused and otherwise successful. Um, or then I thought towards the beginning where they're kind of explaining how he got into it, I thought it was incredibly interesting that somehow you know, one of his first thoughts when he sees television is like, how do we produce something productive for kids in this? Hmm. And how, like, this is a powerful platform for producing something educational and good. Um, I think, you know, that was pretty visionary almost. Um, And the fact that he was able to come up with that without you know, and he did the developmental training um, and all of that after he was in it. Yeah. So, so he was able to just leaving college as like a 22 year old or whatever. Um, his brain immediately went to, all right, how do I make something positive out of this platform? And, and he seemed to have a very strong intuition about how to communicate with kids and how to, you know, mm-hmm. Um, work with them even without any kind of formal training or anything. So I just thought that was incredibly interesting um, that, you know, it, his brain just went there, you know, yeah. and there was probably more steps than they showed, but relative to his peers, it was a pretty automatic connection right. for him. Right. I really appreciated how this film showed how he talked to kids Um. And he, he talked to kids, like, as adults, almost. Like, he mm-hmm. responded to what they were saying in a way that, like, 
many, many adults at the time weren't doing, and unfortunately I see a lot of uh, people doing today even more so because of, like, parents are distracted by technology. But um, he was just, like, made them feel like they were listened to, which I think is, like, that's a really powerful thing as a child, but it's also really powerful as an adult, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. That, like, you matter and that you're good and that you're, like, worthy of being listened to. So I thought that was pretty cool. But my favorite parts of the movie were the ones where the the guy who was on the production team was, like, talking about the, like, pranks they would pull on each other. And I was like, that's so funny. And it's, like, it it kind of made it more, like, human. Because it was Mm -hmm. a tribute movie, right? Like, it was like, oh, he was this wonderful, wonderful human being. And, like, he was, but it's like, oh, he was also human. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not a saint. How about you, Eleanor? Favorite part? Um, I think I would agree with Susie. I thought the part that was most interesting was him in front of um, Congress and especially thinking about his own political meanings, but how you're talking about the importance of partisanship the fact that he could go against um, theoretically line with his more Republican conservative meanings in terms of uh, no government kind of intervention. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Have, have you guys seen the article that's been going around with like Fred Rogers was my actual neighbor? No. Eleanor, have you read it? Was the one who sent it to mom, and if she sent it to you, then <laughs> I sent it to you. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that was again interesting in the sense that he was just like listening to the child. So it's essentially like this kid has has to sell, I don't know, candy bars for his baseball team. And so he like goes and knocks on Mr. Rogers' door and Mr. Roger let Rogers like listen to his pitch for like a good long time and like asked him questions and was like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Why does baseball matter to you? Like, you know, all this stuff and like got to the heart of it and then was like, okay, like here's five dollars, you yeah. know? And I'm like, that's so cool. Um but also I mean I was listening to that and I was like, that's so cool. Or reading that and I was like, it is so cool. It's so great that he did that. But I also wonder how much time did this man have? (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how much time did he have? See, I do think that that the biopic will get into his relationship with his kids. Because I I too thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think... um... You know, one of the um, one of the things about you know the fact that he wrote all the music and he wrote all the things, he must have just spent so much time. It's you know, it doesn't seem like there'd be enough hours in the day, right? Oh, sorry, we're looking at. Um different articles about 
his relationship with his kids. Because that's very interesting. Yeah, I see, like, and he does say this mm -hmm. in the movie, and I think that this line is very true. So, Eleanor, we're looking at the line that his son says in the documentary that says, it was a little tough having the second Christ as my dad. And I'm sure that you would feel a little bit, like, left out. Well, or you just wouldn't measure up. I mean, you know, if he never swore or got angry or like did these things, it's like, how do you possibly do that at 15 or whatever? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You don't. No. Because <laughs> you make all the mistakes as a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I, like, you love Mr. Rogers, but you really don't kind of want him as your father. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say that about many famous people? Yeah. Also, I like our father, generally, so, like, <laughs> I think I'll keep him. He frustrates me, but, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see Tom Hanks in this role. Because I think Tom Hanks does have this, like, Hollywood good guy vibe. Similar, probably, to Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Tom Hanks, though, feels cooler than Mr. Rogers. I'm curious to see how they sort of uh, make him a little more, I don't know what the word is, but I think one of the, part of the magic of Mr. Rogers is he feels very everyday. Like, in mm -hmm. the movie, they say, you know, you put on that sweater, so it was like you were going to have this casual afternoon, right? And I think he looks right in the sweater. Like, I don't think of him as a Hollywood person. Like, he always right. lived in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I um, he was always only on PBS. He mm -hmm. never, like, made it, per se, yeah. beyond that. It was just, you know, within his world, he was the superstar. So I am curious to see how they take if they Hollywood it, you know, I like, cause I, I don't know. Yeah. They'll have to, I guess. And there's also, it's going to be interesting to see this story arc because like Hollywood needs an ending mm -hmm. and drama. Right. And part of the things with Mr. Rogers is he wasn't super dramatic. Yeah, no. And the things that like were dramatic, like people at his funeral or like whatever, you can't put into a children's movie. Like right. if it's going to be family focused. You can't put that in. Right. I think I just think it's so funny that like the internet like years later has kind of gotten onto this like Mr. Rogers kick where like you'll be looking around and all of a sudden it's like, "Did you know that Mr. Rogers wore cardigans cuz he had like tattoos all up and down his <laughs> arms and it's like why do we care? This man has been dead for like 20 years, you know? Yeah. It was also a lie. A what? The lie of him um, for tattoos. Right. He didn't have tattoos. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to get tattoos, though. Next time I'm in L.A., <laughs> that'll be the next okay. L.A. thing we do.
so I do have a question for Susie though. So you selected a documentary, um, which I loved the fact that uh, bringing in a movie choice that, you know, um, is non-narrative in a feature film. Um, but do you enjoy documentaries generally speaking, or was it the subject matter of this particular documentary that drew you to it? Um, I do like documentaries uh, with the caveat that I generally pick movies that will make me happier afterwards than I went in. So it's some documentaries are a bit too uh, serious for me. Um, and I think that, you know, there's, there's some very good documentaries. I was kind of hoping this one was high profile enough that it would be would be well done. I'm not very good at the ones that, um, you know, are, um, I mean, I guess you make the good point that this isn't very balanced and stuff. I usually prefer a little more balanced, but, um, but, but I think that, you know, if you can actually learn something out of it, it's kind of neat. Um, I do like non-documentary movies though, as well. (laughs) I just had seen this one recently. What what then would you say are some of the other documentaries that you've enjoyed that le- make you happier upon watching them or leave you happier than when you started? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't watch very many movies, so the last one I watched was probably a while ago. Did you see the um, RBG one? No, I did not. Um, it's good. I've seen a couple on PBS. I actually liked the one they did on, um, Walt Disney quite a bit. I thought that was really interesting. I thought they really captured kind of both sides of him as far as, I mean, he, he was a creative genius and built these things that bring a lot of happiness to the world. He also, you know, was financially pretty risk seeking and, you know, had, had, did some things throughout his life that maybe weren't um, the best for those around him. Um, and was a little bit, a little bit crazy at times, but um, I thought that was a really interesting one. Um, trying to think what else there's one out on John McCain recently. Hmm. Um, I think over the summer on HBO that I watched most of, not all of, so full disclosure. I, and it was a little more in this kind of tribute category, I would say, because yeah. it was after everybody kind of knew what was happening. Um, but I thought that one was really interesting. They got just, you know, everybody and their mother to participate. So there was, um, uh, they had Hillary on, they had, uh, you know, Bush on, they had, I can't remember, you know, but. Oh yeah, probably both Bushes. Yeah, but it was really, um, really interesting um, just to learn a little bit more about the background on McCain, because I don't think I kind of had the full story. I definitely don't have the full story on him. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I just try to steer away from the like, you know, war or uh, dictators or yeah, that type of stuff. I like the like Ken Burns National Parks. Those are great. Um, super interesting to learn. Plays into your dream travel destination. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm on a kick. Um, but there's a couple. Really, there's one really good one that I liked actually called Supermensch. That's about 
I should know the name of this guy, but I don't. Um, it's about a guy who was a um, manager for a lot of large acts. He was Alice Cooper's manager and a oh, couple others. Yeah. Just a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was particularly, you know, happy or upsetting in any way. It just was like fascinating, all the things he got into in his life. He was one of the main people that kind of drove celebrity chefs because um, he recognized, um, I can't remember if it was Mario Batali or one of those guys where, you know, back in the day, the chefs just got no credit. There was, they were underpaid and everything else. And he went to a restaurant, decided it was really good food and was like, we should, you should be a, you should be a celebrity. This is phenomenal food. Yeah. You should, people, people should know who you are. And so he kind of created that category of, um, fame or whatever as well he was super interesting that's fascinating Mm -hmm. you can learn so much from documentaries there were also like crazy ones that's the thing like with documentaries is like a a category a genre i think you have to be careful because you can get into the ones that are like i don't know like super size me where it's just Mm -hmm. like one dude doing something like kind of compelling but like also terrible you know, yeah. but then you can also have um, Icarus, which was a great one, also on Netflix. You should. Okay. You would like that. It's about biking. Oh, cool. Competitive. Yeah. But then it gets kind of into this like Russia doping thing. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like that movie was like I don't know. Maybe I'm just being crazy, but I feel like there's this specific subgenre in documentaries now, like particularly about like food and health mm-hmm. that just like feed on people's fears. Mm-hmm. and make people crazy like I had a friend watch the documentary last summer um I think it's called like what the health oh yeah and like she watched it and then two hours later she was with me and she's like I'm never eating cheese again like I'm ready to be vegan like blah 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 and I was like okay like cool and of course that lasted like two days but it gets you so yeah hyped up you know because it is presented as fact and whatever so yeah I don't know. Interesting times. Okay, well, we should begin wrapping up. Um, Susie, do you think this is a good movie for people, particularly kids, to see, to watch, to know about? I think it's a good movie. I think it's better for adults than kids because I think adults... This stuff is intuitive to kids until we've wrecked them. Mm. And so I think it's more important for adults to keep in mind how we should be communicating and developing kids. Um, Whereas, you know, it's more important for kids to watch Mr. Rogers, I think, than to watch the backstory behind it. Yes, true. Eleanor, thoughts? I think for me, I would recommend this film just because it's it's a nice team. Like, it will be a film that gets talked about um, routinely and so almost to be part of the cultural conversation but similar to our mindfulness meditation teacher it's it is nice to be reminded about the importance of kindness uh, I would agree um, yeah I also I think it, I think it's a good movie for people to see um, again reminding people Kind of how easy it is to be kind because, like, while he was so good at what he did, truthfully, none of what he was doing was that hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, he very simply was, like, bending down and, like, looking kids in the eye and, like, being nice to the people around him and, like, 
simple ways. I mean, we don't really know about his family, but, you know, like the people on set, he was just like kind to. And I think it's a good reminder that being kind in that way and being seen as that doesn't have to be radical. It can be very simple. Um, and I think that's a great reminder. Okay. Anyway, so before we go, Eleanor, what's our final question? I've like lost my mind. It's been so long since we've done this. I... Pop culture thing of the week. Right. Oh my goodness, of course. We've lost our minds. <laughs> that has been a question from the beginning, but it's been like a month since we've recorded. So I was like, oh my God. Um, okay, so does anyone know what they have? Like their pop culture moment of the week? For me, I would say there's two things. The lovely Netflix young adult teen romances. I've gotten back into reading teen romances, and they're just way too entertaining. And then in part because of Crazy Rich Asians and Constance Wu being great, I'm finally watching Fresh Off the Boat, and she's so good in Fresh Off the Boat. Agreed. She's very good in that. Have you watched Sierra Burgess is a loser is a loser yet? No, I didn't have time last night, but I really need to. I might watch it by myself tonight. Crazy <laughs> Saturday evening plans. Yeah, so that's probably what I'll be doing. Good. I wish that we could do it together. Pretty soon we won't live on different parts of the country, but still different parts of California. It's cool. Susie, pop culture thing of the week. So the thing I noticed was um so obviously the news came out like last winter that Paul Simon was going to retire after yeah. this tour. But I think Which I went of, to. Did you? I did. Oh my gosh. Last so, night I went. It was great. But yeah. apparently he just keeps retiring. Anyway. Yeah. No, there, there's an element of that, I'm sure. But um, I actually was super upset because I found out like the week after he was in Chicago that it was his last one and it was in Chicago and everything else. So I was bummed to miss it. But I think he's like kind of wrapping up the tour so there's been a bunch of like news about it. I just think he's a pretty impressive guy to have been uh, doing it for so long and always, you know, both singing and songwriting. Yeah. And um, and then he's done a lot of neat stuff with, you know, incorporating other genres of music and totally. working with other people and collaborating. So I was kind of just like reading headlines about him and stuff. Oh, yeah. He's super cool. Um, my pop culture thing of the week is a book I have been reading and I've been reading a lot of like really light kind of fluffy books, um, intermingled with like nonfiction and like books like American Gods by Neil Gaiman, which is like pretty heavy. But, um, Eleanor got this book for our family from the library and it's called A Place for Us. Um, and it tells the story of like a Shia, a Shia family based in the Bay Area, um, like a first generation, and uh, it's incredibly moving. Mm. And I have like a hundred more pages, and I couldn't wait for the end, and like I usually am so good, I'm like, no, you have to read it, you can't like look at the ending, but like I needed to know, and I was just like devastated. I took like, I looked at one word, and like I, I was like, no, and I had to close it so I have to finish, but I'm, like, really sad to finish because I don't think it's going to be the ending that I want. Oh. But that's life, you yeah. know? But it's a really good book, A Place for Us. Everyone should read it. 
Okay, well, Susie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so fun. Um, we got to talk so much, Mr. Rogers. Awesome times. We'll have to get you on again. We have to get your sister on. We could have yeah. like sisters sistering. So we were thinking about that with a league of their own, but you guys have already yes. done it. Oh, well, okay. We'll have to think of another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. A league of their own is apparently like a cult classic. Oh, it's so good. Like we grew up on that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Good. yeah. Okay. Well, Eleanor, peace out. Wonderful day. <laughs> you too. Bye.